Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is Ion Veterans Weekend, a roundup of the week's most important stories affecting those who served. Presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. There are nearly 20 million, 20 million military, military veterans, veterans in, in the U.S. US. Each week, we focus on their stories. Powered by ConnectingVets.com. This, this is CBS Ion Veterans. Ion Veterans. Welcome to another edition of CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Ion Veterans is a weekly program focused on the men and women who have served our nation in uniform and their families. We're powered by ConnectingVets.com. Always a great place to find military news, veteran news, resources, and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This hour, we'll talk to Special Forces veteran and journalist Jack Murphy and get the story of a soldier who was kicked out of the Army twice for just doing his job. And he said, yeah, 160th treats sergeants like they're flashlight batteries. They use them up and then throw them away and get new ones. And we'll talk to the hosts of Military Makeover on Lifetime, Art Edmonds. I have a monkey phobia, and I quickly got over it when the monkey, well, you'll have to watch and see what the monkey ended up doing to me in the very first episode. And our fellow veteran, Montel Williams. This is an opportunity to do something to really give back. And we'll begin with recent reports that the DOD will allow its healthcare providers to begin offering an antidepressant that uses a controversial drug that's best been known for its use in nightclubs and raves. A variation of it was known to the techno music party crowd as Special K. And here with more is ConnectingVets.com DOD reporter Libby Howe. Hey, Phil. So the VA did start prescribing this ketamine-based antidepressant back in June. It was kind of a fight for them to get it approved because of the side effects that come with, well, uh, Special K, and it's this ketamine antidepressant. So it is a nasal spray. Some of the side effects do include suicidal ideation, obviously in treating um, patients for antidepressant. That's kind of a high level of concern. So it was implemented in the VA in June. Um, after six months of usage, the VA spokesman had described the results as successful. There weren't a ton of details on what successful means. 
Um, the spokesman, Mike Richmond, told Connecting Vets in January that, yeah, some of the veterans taking this antidepressant were experiencing some of the more problematic symptoms, but not to a degree that the VA would want to stop prescribing it. So now it's being prescribed in the DOD uh, health system as well. It's primarily used for patients who haven't responded to other forms of treatment for depression. So it's kind of not, not, a, not a last resort, but it's not the primary antidepressant. But for pre-approved TRICARE customers, they can now receive this ketamine-based antidepressant. All right, let me click pause right there. And note that uh, like so many of these psychoactive drugs, these antidepressant drugs, this too has been stated to have suicidal ideations as a side effect. It's one of many side effects. But again, um, VA said that even though some of those symptoms were prevalent in their test pool, it wasn't to a degree that they would not consider prescribing it. And I guess clearly this Spravato made it through FDA trials, right? So it was legit to go to the street. It's not something that just the government's doing. Correct. It was FDA approved before the VA started using it back in June. What about the side effects like getting really high? I mean, obviously, ketamine was known to, you know, go good with some Tiesto and some bass thumping techno along with some cocktails. <laughs> does does this version of it have any of those side effects? So I don't know about um, how aggressively you can get high using this nasal spray, but it is being used because the effects are very fast acting compared to antidepressants that can sometimes take weeks or months to really start having a positive impact on mitigating symptoms. Uh, Spravato is meant to alleviate some of those symptoms in fewer than 24 hours, which is extremely fast compared to some of the other. Again, this isn't a, isn't a primary, uh, primary treatment for depression because of some of the concerning side effects, but it is very fast. Right on. Okay, so the jury's still out as to whether or not some bass thumping and uh, a little extra squirt of the Spravato will uh, uh, get you going. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about how it got fast-tracked. It certainly showed up on the radar rather quickly, and uh, you're saying in your reporting anyway that it had kind of a lift from people in high places. Yeah, so that's why the story is kind of timely, because uh, Spravato got kind of a boost from President Donald Trump last summer, he was kind of um, kind of pivotal in expediting its implementation in the VA sphere. So VA was kind of dragging their feet a little bit on starting to prescribe this, and President Donald Trump personally got involved to try and have the drug um, prescribed, just like he is now touting hydroxychloroquine as a COVID-19 cure. He's come out in a couple of tweets and a couple of statements talking about this chloroquine-based drug that's supposed to help cure COVID-19. And so far, of course, uh, we haven't been able to scientifically prove that, but it hasn't really stopped Trump from trying to push those types of drugs out into the VA, into the United States, trying to to mitigate some of the symptoms that are running rampant from COVID-19. Well, if we've learned nothing over the last few years, it's that President Trump does have a strong opinion about many things, and uh, the medical field is just one of them. So uh, as we wait to hear more, uh, I always wait to hear more great reporting from you. And uh, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Libby Howe from ConnectingVets.com. Sure thing, Phil. Now, it wouldn't be a news segment if we didn't have something about the coronavirus each and every week. And uh, let's talk about what's going on at the VA. Earlier this week, we saw reports that said that almost 20 VA Medical Center employees have now died from the coronavirus. And to summarize the lead, 
Essentially, the Department of Veterans Affairs revealed that the medical staff is experiencing shortages of personal protective equipment, uh, rationing, and uh, some concerning things are being said in internal VA memos. And here with the story is our Capitol Hill reporter from ConnectingVets.com, Abby Bennett. Abby, how are you? I'm great, Phil. How are you? Alarmed, maybe? Slightly concerned that the VA, of all places, may not have enough personal protective gear to take on this coronavirus era that we're living in. Tell me more about it. Sure. So for a while now, I and other reporters who cover the VA have been tracking reports from staff members who have come to us and said that they were very concerned that they were not provided the appropriate personal protective equipment, you know, maybe the right mask or the right gloves or gowns and things like that, or they weren't provided them at all, or maybe they were only given one for an entire week. One nurse told me she was given a mask and told to wear it until the snaps broke off. So we heard more and more stories like that from VA medical staff. And so in reaching out to VA officials to sort of find out what the situation was there, we were consistently told over and over and over again that there were no shortages, there was no rationing, and there were no problems. And so eventually, I came across some internal VA memos, emails, and things like that, that showed that while publicly VA was saying there wasn't a problem, internally, they were telling staff that there was a serious shortage and that they would be rationing. Medical staff who were treating COVID-19 patients to one mask per day and they would be limiting medical staff who treat other veterans, including vulnerable veterans in nursing homes, to one mask per week. Was that just in the first wave when we were trying to prepare for this or trying to adapt to the reality as best we could, but subsequent deliveries of gear and stuff arrived at hospitals? I mean, was this the same for the VA? Is this just kind of a snapshot of a week in time? So I, I think it depends on who you ask. Um, you know, I have had some VA medical staff, including nurses, tell me as lately as this week um, that they, or actually yesterday, that they are still short on supplies. Um, VA recently did update its policy internally and and told staff, hey, you know, um, everybody who needs a mask will have at least one a day. Um, And that's back from uh, saying that some of that staff would only have one per week. Now, VA is saying that initially they didn't have a good eye on their supply lines um, when all this happened and when, you know, obviously there were shortages worldwide of this kind of equipment. But now VA is saying, you know, we're in a better place. But the problem is that's still not jiving with what staff on the ground are saying. And we've even had some instances in Atlanta and a few other uh, VA medical centers where nurses have actually, between their shift changes, protested a lack of equipment. Now stick around because when we return, we'll hear the story of a military double standard and the double discharge of a soldier who was just doing his job when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, this next story is the story of a soldier who was tasked with helping tell the Army's story. But when he did, they kicked him out. And they didn't just kick him out once. They did it twice. 
And Jack Murphy, Special Forces veteran and member of the ConnectingVets.com team, has the incredible story of Sergeant Ricardo Branch. Jack, how are you? I'm good, Phil. How are you doing? Really good. And this is another one of those stories that sounds like a movie because it's so surreal. Like, how could this actually happen in our military, which for the most part tries to get it right each and every day in defense of our freedoms. But behind the curtain are some ugly details and some double standards. And in this particular case, uh, we get a we get a real glimpse at a lot of them. Share with me the story of Sergeant Ricardo Branch. This story definitely has a Kafka-esque quality to it. Uh, you know, Sergeant Ricardo Branch was a uh, public affairs officer, actually a public affairs NCO, uh, working for 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, so his job was to vet information that was going to be published publicly um, to ensure that there was no accidental disclosures of classified information. And that was what he was doing in 2014 when Boeing, uh, the aerospace company, wanted to write an article about 160th. And they mentioned in the article that the unit was involved in the bin Laden raid in 2011. Branch identified that information as being classified. And in an internal Army email sent to the officer, a major who was asking him about it, he said that sentence should be redacted. And the major concurred. And the sentence was redacted and the information was protected prior to publication. Uh, But that was also kind of when the trouble started for Branch. Now, before we get into that, the part about uh, the 160th being involved in some special missions, um, that's that's not rare to talk about. In fact, uh, this is almost trivial. Myself, I even did an entire episode of the podcast called Vet Story with the author who wrote the book Making a Night Stalker. And in it, he talks about all kinds of details about what the Special Operations Aviation Regiment does. They're the guys in the black helicopters that bring the Special Forces and the Spec Ops guys to the battle. And there's some tremendous stories to be told. Um, As I've read a really good book, I recommend it to you. It's called Murphy's Law. It's by, Jack, <laughs> it's by a guy named Jack Murphy. Uh, you even you even talked a little bit about the 160th in your book, right? Well, yeah, but that's a different situation because I wasn't involved in the raid. I was not in the military. I had nothing to do with it. So it's not my job to protect that information. Uh, for Branch, it was different. He was an active duty member of the military uh, working as the PAO for 160th. But the thing is, he did his job. He protected that information. And he was punished for it. Um, They gave him an uh, Article 15, which is a non-judicial punishment, um, for sending that email saying that it was what's called spillage, that classified information was leaking into non-classified systems via him sending that one email. And the email, again, it just said, hey, this one sentence in this article you sent me should be redacted because not all of this information has been cleared yet. Real quick, Jack, let's just clear that too. Article 15, um, well, it's called captain's mast in the Navy, but that's where you go stand in front of the boss, the commanding officer, and, and, and you have to talk about whatever violation you did, and then they give you some sort of punishment, right? It's a, uh, it's a non-judicial reprimand, and it can carry a punishment of like 14 days restriction and 14 days extra duty. I don't think it can go beyond, much beyond that. But after that, uh, Branch felt that he was working in kind of a toxic work environment, so he requested a, uh, to change units, to be assigned to another unit. And when he, he was granted that, they wrote, the 160th wrote him a, a non-commissioned officer evaluation report, which is very bad. 
And when you get that, it was at a period of time in 2014 where it triggered an Army protocol called Qualitative Management Program, or QMP, which was uh, kicking soldiers out of the military for not meeting standards, part of the downsizing that was going on. And Branch appealed the decision. He appealed it all the way to Washington, D.C., um, but nothing came of it. Uh, he was working with a, uh, with a law uh, professor, and he was still kicked out of the military um, for this alleged transgression. Now, the interesting thing is on his DD-214, he had a reenlistment code of one, an RE1, as it's called, which means that he's fully eligible to reenlist back into the military, which is what he did. Um, he went in, in 2018, he went in the recruiter's office and he rejoined, um, and he went to, uh, his AIT, his advanced individual, uh, unit training and became an air defense soldier. Let me just click pause one more time and say he wanted to go back into the military after being discharged over this. I mean, this whole uncomfortable experience of being kicked out for basically doing the right thing and somebody not liking him. Um, he wanted to go back. Yeah, I mean, he loves the Army. Um, I've, you know, I've spoken to Branch many times, and he, he loves being a soldier. He loves doing what he does. And, um, you know, it was always his endeavor to, you know, be a lifer. He wanted to have a, be a career soldier. And it was heartbreaking for him to be kicked out. So um, for him, I think it was quite natural to want to rejoin. Hmm. All right. Well, he does. And then tell me his new rating. He got a, he got a new job. He was no longer public affairs on the second go-round. Yeah, yeah. He was an air defense guy. Um, this would have been his final enlistment, probably, because he would. Uh, he, he has 17 years in now. He, he just needs like two and a half more years to retire. Um, and when he went to re-enlist, he was told that his enlistment, his re-enlistment in, in 2018 was erroneous. And then he was told that it was actually fraudulent. So the Army is claiming that his DD-214 paperwork contains a clerical error and he never should have had a RE1 reenlistment code to begin with, that that was given to him in error, and that his current enlistment is therefore fraudulent, and they're kicking him out of the military a second time. Wait, wait a minute. A clerical error that he had no control of. He didn't write his DD-214. He didn't write Correct. his own discharge papers. Right. So now uh, Branch is uh, trying to file another appeal he wants an appeal board before they kick him out a second time. And he wants the appeal board, since we're peeling off this band-aid again, to re-examine, or I'm sorry, not really re-examine, but look at a ton of evidence that the Army didn't look at the first time they kicked him out. And I've reviewed that evidence. Uh, I've reviewed the documents. It includes a letter of support from the major who requested that he review the article uh, about 160th from Boeing. Um, that, you know, that, that major fully supports Branch and what he did. Uh, I reviewed a sense-deleted Soldier Magazine article, that 160th cleared for publication, in which the exact same information is divulged about 160th participating in the Bin Laden raid. And that was several weeks prior to Branch's uh, alleged indiscretion. I reviewed information uh, about McRaven's uh, interview with CNN, where he divulges the same information. I looked at Rob O'Neill, the SEAL Team 6 operator's memoir, which is clear, uh, cleared for publication by the Department of Defense, which also reveals the same information. Uh, and, and it goes on and on. I mean, it's pretty surreal. Uh, Branch even reached out to Admiral McRaven, who was at the time working for a university down in Texas, and McRaven told them to kick rocks, said, sorry, I can't help you. 
Oh, wow. And he's a he's a decorated Navy SEAL, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. And Mick Raven's voice would carry a lot of weight here because what this was all this stuff happened on McRaven's watch when he was running special operations. And um, you know, McRaven has no problem speaking out about the bin Laden raid publicly. He talks about it all the time. He has had no problem wading into politics and criticizing the Trump administration. He has had no problem stepping up and defending his fellow officers when they get into trouble. But when an enlisted man asks him for help for something that McRaven can directly speak to and help him with, he says, hey, sorry, I'm a retired officer. There's nothing I can do for you. And I think I saw it expressed really well on Twitter, and I don't know if it was you or one of the, the people that was commenting on the story, but uh, they said that uh, the Department of Defense treats sergeants like flashlight batteries. They use them till they're well, burnt out. Well, specifically, my, my, it was a friend of mine who dealt with uh, 160th non-commissioned officers, sergeants, after they got out of the military with the Special Operations Care Coalition trying to help them to try to repair some of the wreckage after service. And he said, yeah, 160th treats sergeants like they're flashlight batteries. They use them up and then throw them away and get new ones. Mm. Well, it's an unbelievable article. Jack Murphy, really appreciate you chronicling the story of Sergeant Ricardo Branch. And you can find it at ConnectingVets.com. As always, uh, Ranger leading the way there, Jack Murphy. Appreciate your writing. Yeah, thank you, Phil. And we'll be back with more great veteran stories when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, when it comes to television, there are a ton of home improvement shows, but none of them do more for the veteran community than Military Makeover on Lifetime. And I recently spoke with two of the show hosts, Art Edmonds and my fellow Navy vet, Montel Williams, about something new that the show is doing. Let's start with show host and voiceover extraordinaire, Art Edmonds. Art, how's it going, man? Hey, how are you? Great to be on the show. Thank you. Really glad to have you. And of course, I love Military Makeover on Lifetime. I've you know watched it since the Gunny started it with you years ago. Yeah, and years and my years old ago. pal, the Gunny. Gunnery Sergeant Arlie Yermy is at it once again, doing what he does best, yelling at me. Art! 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 And supporting our men and women in uniform. Who doesn't love Arlie Ermey? That guy was just such a legend. I know among veterans, there's not one of us that you know can't name three of his favorite lines from Full Metal Jacket. Uh, what was he like to work with? He was a wonderful guy, and I, and I'll tell you, he's been gone, you know, uh, just over two years now. Um, last week, and uh, he was a wonderful guy to me. Um, you know, I've been on every single one of these, just as you know, they plugged me in as just a, as a TV host, and then uh, that was our first family, and then uh, R. Lee came in on our se very second family of Military Makeover, and the obvious thing to do with him was to play to his strengths, which was have him be the figurehead of the show, have him be the recognizable character that he was. Uh, he was extremely funny, extremely dedicated to his veterans, and that's how he referred to them, his veterans. And I was there to be, you know, not a, not a goofy guy, but to play his foil. What's a sit rep? A sit rep, like a, you mean like a status report? Yeah, situation report. Oh, okay, I thought you meant like it was an acronym, like sit on my agent or something like that. But what I want you to do is not sit on anything. Get in there and help him in the kitchen. 
as we evolved over the four years of working together on camera, you know, it, he was that guy and I could always get his goat. You know, I wasn't just the object of the, uh, of the yelling, but, uh, you know, we had a great rapport on and off camera and off camera. I learned so much from him, you know, picture hours, sitting in an RV with him and listening to stories and his career and his advice to me, um, it's invaluable. Imagine being able to sit down with a guy like that uh, multiple times a year and, and just hear about his life. Now, as much as we love the memory of Arlie Ermey, and of course the show lives on, Military Makeover, and continues to do the great work, it's kind of switched up a little bit and now has a new person at the helm and I say yeah. Elm on purpose because he's a fellow Navy veteran. And Montel Williams, man, what's he like to work with? Oh, my gosh. So, yes, Montel, you know, as, as R. Lee was sort of winding down, he had a few health issues and, you know, was talking about retiring. And we actually had an open conversation. He said, you know, you guys got to keep this going. And I said, well, who would you want to see, you know, take over this show for you and keep this going because we're doing such good work and it's entertaining and it's helping families and, you know, getting a message out there. And, you know, at, at one point, you know, I had come in contact with Montel through the world, uh, his post talk show of infomercials and whatnot, and we had mutual people in that world and spokesperson work. And I threw his name to Gunny and he said, there's your guy. He's like, that. he's a good man. And I told Montel that, that when I first met him, I said, you know, Gunny, said you're the guy and um you know and it all just worked out you know uh the the powers that be at brandstar um entertainment that produced the show um you know we we had a conversation and i i was adamant i said you know we got to get in touch with montel and you know there were people there that that agreed with me and and it just worked out that way and um montel has brought a new element to the show there it's not it's not the uh, setups, you know, that, that Gunny had. Montel is all about authenticity, uh, peeling back the layers, telling the story, telling the emotional component of what these families and what these veterans go through uh, and why we're there. So to have Montel and his legacy as a, as a legendary talk show host, um, and, and his background with the military is just an incredible experience. And plus his, his story, his health struggles and, and achievements, uh, it, it's, it's beyond amazing. And I'm, and I'm lucky and grateful to work with him. Now, just as Art has had the pleasure of working alongside Montel for a few years, recently I had a chance to chat with him about all kinds of things, including what's new with Military Makeover. And just like I remembered, he proved again why he's part Marine Corps veteran, part Navy veteran, but all heart. Montel Williams, a guy that I'll refer to as Lieutenant Commander Williams. How are you? Thanks so much, Phil. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, always, always. Now, I, full disclosure, I did promote the launch of this season's military makeover on Lifetime. But um, you know what? There was actually a more attractive, uh, and by that I mean better looking co-host to interview. And, <laughs> and that's, of course, WWE superstar Lacey Evans. Before she was a Barbie that could lift barbells, she was a United States Marine. Lord, thank you for having me. But if you ever refer to me as a Barbie again, I'm pretty sure you won't have a show. Do you understand me? <laughs> I absolutely love it. She has been an absolute wonderful addition to the show. You know, Lacey's a Marine Corps vet herself. You know, she runs a construction company with her husband. They live on a farm. And she's one of our, we bring her on as one of our big motivators for 
our volunteers as they, you know, and there's some places that we go, we have up to 30, 40, sometimes 100 volunteers a day. And Lacey's right there in the mix, you know, keeping them on task and uh, walking around putting a smile on their face but making them enjoy the fact that they're giving back. Hey, before we get into the show real quick, I want to ask how you're doing. I know we all say, hey, how are you doing? But I know in this coronavirus era, uh, are, are you having to take any extra length to go to use specific precautions to keep yourself safe? Because I know that, you know, with an autoimmune condition, um, th- this can be scary as hell. You know, no joke, man. Uh, and I, I'm glad you even asked the question because I think that you know, I'd like to share with all those others that are out there that are listening and may have a family member uh, that might be suffering. This is the time that we really need to make sure that we practice safe mitigation techniques, especially for our family members who, you know, are suffering from some sort of pre-existing condition. You know, I'm taking a lot of medication, and the medication that I take, absolutely, it will actually is an autoimmune or immune system modifier. So I have to really be very, very cautious. I haven't really even left my apartment, maybe. You know, I leave uh, every evening. We go out and take a nice walk when it gets a little cooler in Miami. But I don't leave this place without putting a mask on or putting gloves on. Indeed. And I know we're all praying and waiting for us to get out of this and for that curve to flatten and life to get back to some normal. I know you're making a huge difference in the health and the happiness of veterans and military families around the country. Um, Military Makeover on Lifetime right now has been doing something pretty interesting. And uh, I wanted you to share with me that. Well, you know, what we do is we teamed up with the WWE. That's why Lacey's now on the show as one of our motivators. And you know, she's got a huge following. So we decided to team up with the WWE and have people who are, you know, viewers of the WWE, you know, help us nominate a veteran family for one of our future makeovers. And, you know, we're now taking nominations all the way through until May 31st. And then on July 13th, Lacey and I are going to appear on Facebook and, and announce a family that we've identified as one of our next makeover recipients. And it's really uh, a really wonderful opportunity to do more than, you know, look, let me tell you something. In the last couple of years, you know, there's been a lot of lip service to thank you to your, thank you for your service. You know, people say it as if they're a passing line that they say to people when they walk by and how you doing and don't wait for an answer. So this is an opportunity to do something to really give back. You know, we don't just, you know, give a hand up or a handout to our, our, our recipients. We give them a hand up. We give them something to look forward to. We, we put a smile on their face and help them turn their home into a forever home. So I'm so excited by this opportunity to team over the WWE. They have a huge following that has always been known for their support for our veterans, but it gives them an opportunity to actually do something, nominate one, and suggest a family be a recipient. So we're, 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 we're so excited about this. What are people to do? Just simply go to the website and fill out an application? Absolutely. Go to militarymakeover.tv forward slash tag a hero, and they can fill out an application or a nomination and submit that online for a family and family down the street. You know, remember this, that less than 1% of this entire population put a uniform on their back at any given time to support and defend our Constitution. And we need to, and we owe them a debt. Now stick around and we'll have more with TV talk show icon and host of Military Makeover, Navy veteran Montel Williams, when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. 
I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, in our last segment, we heard from military makeover hosts Art Edmonds and TV talk show icon and Navy veteran Montel Williams. During our interview, we got a look at what makes the show and the hosts truly special, something you can hear on a recent episode that honored the Hickson family, who sadly lost husband, father, and Navy veteran Chris Hickson when he charged toward the gunman in an attempt to save his students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on February 14th. 2018. February 14th. That was Valentine's Day. It was. How did that day start? I said to him, well, Corey and I are going to go to Mass this morning. And he said, no, wait for me. I'll join you. We'll go tonight. And Corey said, you're always late. We're not going to wait for you. And he said, no, I promise if I'm going to be late, I'll let you know. And then he, he, you know, he went off to work. How does Montel get through those interviews? I mean, he, he does get choked up because he's, he's a loving, emotional guy, and he's authentic, and, and he really feels uh, these interviews. This is not just a cold question and answer kind of thing. He gets in there, and he is part of the dialogue, um, you know, because he's so good at that with his talk show background. So it was really a, a new milestone for us as a show, and also to see how we could take what we do to the next level to help these families. While Montel brings us closer to the families who sincerely deserve these makeovers, host Art Edmonds also shared that he's not afraid to do what it takes to make them happy, even if that means monkeying around. Next uh, season coming out, the family, a dual veteran family, as a matter of fact, they were both served and both 100% disabled, retired, and they have a pet monkey. And (laughs) I have a monkey phobia, and I quickly got over it when the monkey, well, you'll have to watch and see what the monkey ended up doing to me in the very first episode, but the point is to show this this is not just for military-connected families. This is people who love home makeover shows. This is people who love feel-good tears, hugs, and high-fives shows. And it's that exact spirit that Montel said we could all use a little more of right now. And you say it at the end of every show, don't just say thank you, but show thank you. People can do that on a daily basis. I mean, you, you were just talking about, you know, since we're all stuck at home now, you know, and, and I don't believe that, the, you know, if people can call for carry out, well, then why can't you, you know, like I do it here in my, my building where I live, you know, I, I sometimes I'm a, I'm a novice little cook. So I sometimes will step in that kitchen and start cooking. And next thing you know, and I'm only really only cooking for two, but I've prepared meals for six. Well, you know, I take some of that, not leftover, but I take some of that meal that I just made, and, you know, we wrap it up, package it up. I, like the other day, I, I was making a cinnamon French toast for my wife for breakfast, and I ended up, you know, really just overdoing it. I probably made, you know, 12 pieces, but so we ended up, you know, packing some of that up and sending it down to our receptionist just so that they had something to eat, have a nice meal. Well, you know, if you know of a military family down the street or across the street, and the wife is at home and husband's deployed or the husband's at home and the wife is deployed, why not when you make a little extra, you know, package that up, take it across the street, knock on the door, put it on the front step with a note and say, hey, you know, we just wanted to make life a little easier for you today so you don't have to cook. But, you know, you might have a, a riding lawnmower and, and the veteran down the street, you know, who's a double amputee or a single amputee or his wife is the one out cutting that grass, why not ride your lawnmower down the street and cut the grass one day? You know, just the little things that we do that we can do to give back. And, you know, maybe, you know, again, now that we're actually practicing social distancing, but when this slows down, 
you know, why not walk down the street and knock on the door and say, hey, you know, if you need a babysitter for this, uh, this Friday or Saturday night, so you and your wife can go out and have a date night. Why not do that? There are little things that we can do. You don't have to give money. You don't have to donate, you know, finances, but you can give just a little time just to really do something rather than just say something. Right on. I've always loved the lawn mowing analogy, but now you really make me want to be your neighbor with uh, cinnamon French toast. Stop it. I swear. I would get, I'd be knocking on your house all the time. Montel. Hey. Hey, Buster, what's up? Buddy? You got any of that toast? Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Hey, real quick, before we run out of time, I, a couple things I wanted to ask you beyond even the TV show. I, I was dying to get your thoughts on this as a former naval officer. What do you say about the USS Theodore Roosevelt and Captain Crozier oh, situation? Man. Oh, God. I mean, you know, when he assumed command, he stood before not only the soldiers and sailors of uh, Roosevelt, but he stood in front of the public and said that I will do everything I can to defend those under my charge. And you know, we're starting to find out that some of the things and ways that was reported were really completely wrong and erroneous. That was some of the biggest fake news that was ever reported, that he sent a letter out to 20 different people, which was a lie. He addressed his chain of command and let everyone in his chain of command know that I've got a problem, and I want to try to save the lives of those who have been put under my charge. And I think the best way to do it would be for us to offload them for sequester them so that they, you know, aren't in a position being so closely quartered that they could spread this disease to so many more. He did nothing wrong. He did what he was supposed to do. You know, remember there are parents and, 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 uh, you know, families out there that, uh, you know, uh, give blessing to their children to serve in our military and they expect our military to protect them. And that's exactly what he was trying to do. And then to besmirch him, a person who has served the length of time that he has and with the multiple commands that he has had, to try to besmirch him and give him and give the impression that he was somehow wrong in wanting to protect those under his charge. Oh my God. I, I was I was completely flabbergasted, disgusted with the way that the secretary addressed him. So we need to back our commanders up the way they are. And, and when they ask a question, and they help support them. And, and when we, what we saw is once he's relieved, you saw the numbers on that ship blew up to astronomical numbers. Those who were actually had contracted COVID-19, he contracted it himself. And we've lost one sailor already. Yeah, God bless. And who knows how many more? God bless. Who mm. knows how many more we're going to lose? So, you know, we've got to knock off the stupidity and let those who earn the right to lead, lead. And those who don't understand what leadership is need to get out of the way. Well, I really appreciate going through all that with you. I most sincerely appreciate the work you do on Military Makeover on Lifetime. Again, the season's out right now, and you are looking for new stories to tell. So if you have a a friend, a family, a loved one, or or somebody that you know just needs this kind of reward in their life, um, I can't thank you enough for the homes you've renovated and the lives you've touched. Absolutely. And anybody who wants to nominate somebody can just go to www.militarymakeover.tv forward slash Tag a hero and try to submit a nominee by May 31st. And we're going to, I and Lacey will go up on uh, line on Facebook and on Instagram 
and uh, we'll announce the recipient on July 13th. So this is an opportunity to do something to really give back. We put a smile on their face and help them turn their home into a forever home. Well, you two doing God's work, man. Military makeover on Lifetime. Mr. Montel Williams, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks so much, man. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. And uh, let's pray we get to the other side of this real quick. And that's where we'll leave it for this week. I'm Phil Briggs, and I'll be back next week with more great stories from great American vets on CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans Weekend has been presented by University of Maryland Global Campus. Choose from 90-plus programs and specializations to accelerate your military or civilian career and find out how our dedicated military and veteran advisors can help you navigate your benefits to save you time and money. University of Maryland Global Campus. Find out how we're made for you. Visit umgc.edu. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.